Love getting your Legend of the Five Rings podcast fix? Head to patreon.com slash strangeassembly to find out how you can support the show. This is Strange Assembly episode 180, Weird Deconstruction. Well, because in, in honor of L5R not being around for two years, we apparently want to see how many L5R episodes we can string together in a row. I am joined today by Fred Wan. Good afternoon. Hey, and so normally I would introduce you as uh, the Legend of the Five Rings continuity editor, deputy, story lead, but I guess now your official title is some guy over in Vancouver? I think until some date that has yet to be determined, I am still the narrative designer slash continuity editor slash assistant story lead for the game. But I think, you know, we're all waiting to hear more news and... It is a finite thing, at least in this iteration of the story team and the game. So, do you have any idea if there's going to be wrap-up fictions? I know that there was the topic of that was bandied about, like, oh, the story team's going to have some sort of big finale to their time on it. On the other hand, AEJ is saying things like, well, we're we're not sure if we can activate the forums yet because we've sold the brand, and do you have any idea? My understanding is that there will be fictions to close off what I'll call the AEG era. How many that will be could be as low as one or zero, could still happen, right? But a few days ago, we were working on plans on... You know, how many fictions would that be? What is the outline? What will happen in them? What exactly? How are we going to get there? We're having those discussions internally. But I have not heard kind of, this is your drop-dead date. This is how many fictions you have. This is how much you have to say and not say. We're not there yet. But last I heard, there will be some kind of phase-down, closure, finale, whatever you want to call it, fictions. All right. And uh, I, I should probably note that, because this is the sort of thing that you're supposed to do when you're a, a media host, which I am in some sad little way, I guess. You're listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can check us out on the web at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, which, let's face it, is probably how you downloaded this anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of telling you things you already know, but just in case. I am Chris Stevenson, yes, and, and the other gentleman who's going to say all the things that you actually care about this episode is Fred Wong. <laughs> probably worth noting that this is being recorded on September 22nd, 2015, because new information could come to light sometime after that, making particularly the portions about how much and what content we'll be producing between now and the switchover might be changed. Yes. Also, because it is September 22nd, it is my daughter's second birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Yes. So far, the, the favorite presents are singing Elsa and 
a mommy cat with kittens that like magnetically attached to to drink from her. Aww. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I guess there's no really way you can answer this, but I I'm trying to like what your finale would be. Do you, is this something other than the wrap up being well? Let's just have the this is how Kempeki takes over the empire and curtain or. Well. Uh, I, I actually have been, just like with the Kote fix, I've been doing a lot of the structural plotting. And I can't say what the ending scene will be, but we're trying to make sure that it feels appropriate as a close to this era. And uh, we've bandied about a few ideas. Uh, I've suggested something that I think the rest of the team is, is on board for. And basically, we want to have something that is satisfying as an ending point. So I can't, you're right, I can't give you specific details. Of course not, that would ruin the point. (laughs) But we'd like it, I, I, I hope that when this goes live, if this goes live, I think it will go live, but I'm not sure, um, that people feel like it was an appropriate feeling finale. That's about as specific as I can at this stage, because unfortunately even my marching orders could change. Yeah. So, let's let's go next to a extremely vague sort of question. So you're to some extent still constrained by the things that constrain you in general when you talk about the, the story. On the other hand, you may be now free from constraints because really, other than this write-up, this is going to be it, it seems, right, right for this era of L5R. And, you know, you may have an ability to talk more freely about what you were planning on doing or things that you had considered doing but didn't or just discussions that happen in the background. Is there anything in particular that, that comes to mind either – on the cool side or on the, oh, why did we do that side? Any sort of behind-the-scenes story that you think people would find interesting? Yeah, some of those I can't talk about yet and would be able to talk about later. But, for example, you and I were talking before recording started about how Noburo's arc uh, has changed, right? Originally, we were planning on doing a lot more about him not getting along with his father. And that was going to stem from the two of them having very different visions on the role of the dragon. That aspect has kind of been downplayed because we just didn't get around to it. But, like, Noburo features prominently in the Kote fix. And a lot of that was to try to kind of highlight him as a character who... His expression of the dragon sentiment of finding your own path is he actually envisions himself being kind of a fairly, a fairly straight and narrow samurai in service to um, a lord. And he's very hierarchical about how he deals with things in a way that the Togashi family in particular is not. And so um, one of the things we were looking at if we had more opportunity, would have been to have him 
as an insider in the dragon, also be an outsider, which I, I felt was kind of appropriately dragon. Because you have a, you would have a character who deep down sees the world in a way that a lion or a crane or phoenix would be more in line with, but is also in a position of leadership and authority and recognizes that partially because he sees things in a kind of feudal hierarchical way, which I thought would have been fun to explore as a, as a way to look at the dragon because at the same time he's effective, right? And, and it would have been an interesting contrast, which is largely what dragon stories are about. Hmm. But if you're talking about like really cool stuff, not yet because some of it we still may get to do. <laughs> there have certainly been things I would have done differently over the years, mostly because I have hindsight, right? And like I told you this once months ago off air and I mentioned it offhand in Ravenstream. And for some reason, whenever I talk with you, everything is revolves around the dragon. I, um, what? I don't. I, what? No. You know, I probably would have done the dragon temptation way back when differently. I would have packaged it as Togashi himself has decided it's time to go. And if the dragon take the temptation, then Togashi gets to give one last gift or one last thing he gets to do purely because he wants to do it. And that gift is further advice or insight to Satsu. And if the dragon didn't take it, then Togashi would not get that chance to give that gift to his own descendant. Either or, right? Um, I think that would have been a much more enjoyable way to do the same plotline. Or a similar plotline. It wouldn't be exactly the same. Yeah. It's old now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, you know, rag on it anymore, but I, I would still say for all the, all the, uh, issues I have with, with the spider and, and some things that they've done over the years. Yeah. I, I would still identify, sorry, Nancy, or congratulations, Nancy, as the case may be, a heaven's net as the, uh, worst L5R fiction ever. I, I, yeah. And I think that's largely driven by content rather than writing. But that's my perspective on it, right? I would say yes and no, just to, you know, dig myself in more of a hole and, and, and irritate Nancy more. I, part of it is content and part of it is the, what you're talking about, the construction of the prize. Mm-hmm. But part of it was also along the lines of what I, as one of you, maybe Rusty once said, if you don't feel like you're hitting the audience over the head with a hammer, they aren't going to get it. I've heard that from multiple people over the years, not all of whom are writers. Some of them are just fans. And it's L5R is a unique and wonderful and tricky beast. One of the things that I've grappled with a lot over the years is that we're operating in, in a series of constraints. That like Constraints are good. They give you creativity and avenues to be you know out of the box and so on. But also there are times where I'm like, oh, that's the prize. Did you think about this? <laughs> no. Um, are you sure that you wanted that to go live before I weighed in? And that's of necessity sometimes. But it makes for times where if a player, like my view is 
if a prize has been approved, and generally if a prize complies with the four corners of what we're offering, then I should honor it, right? And the use of story team discretion to say, please choose another one has to be something used lightly, because otherwise the whole idea of player choice starts being uh, undercut a bit. But at the same time, there's the whole believability of the setting. And that's just, you know, another constraint in which we operate, which um, has always been challenging both in the good and bad way, because certainly I want people to be able to pick who or what they want for things, but there are often times where it's very difficult because, you know, it's, for example, it's hard to foreshadow when you don't know the outcome, right? Sure, or or when the outcome might be trying to figure out why an elephant is the warlord of the colonies. Or if if the majority of a fan base of a clan, for example, wants this to happen, and the player is in a minority group, but really feels strongly and is committed to a different result, gets gets a prize, be it, you know, straight CCG prize, um, you know, a uh, spirit event, uh, a winter court recognition, whatever you whatever you call it, there is tension there. There there legitimately is tension here because people in good faith have things they want that happen to be um, not able to both be met or are mutually contradictory. And it is an interesting balance. And I'd like to think that I'd like to think that without exception, uh, we have been respectful, even when we have not been able to or willing to, in some cases, to uh, accede to a choice, right? But um, I take pains to let people know that uh, I listen to them and not only just listen, I reflect on, right? But it's difficult for because, for example, merely by posting in a forum, I'm kind of waving a flag that I'm looking, and there are times where I just want to read what people say without biasing them by reminding them of my presence. And this is a bit rambly, right? But the the process of crafting story and letting players have a meaningful say is always tricky because different people envision what it means to be a meaningful say differently. And what the ideal meaningful say is that that platonic ideal is different depending on who you ask. And I will not at all suggest that anyone who has a differing perspective is necessarily in bad faith or in error, right? There are, they are simply different visions and it's and it's our responsibility to try to satisfy people uh, both in gameplay and in kind of overall air and experience that they're part of something fun and memorable and distinctive, um, which has always been something I've enjoyed doing, but is definitely tricky because. There are a lot of moving parts, and those moving parts have to be juggled. Well, and I th- and I thought I could uh, tangent ramble. Oh, dude! Although, although you're nicer, you're nicer than I am because I think some story choices are not really made in in quote unquote good faith. But I feel just to drag it back, just sure. because I said something about 
writing of a particular story, I feel I should at least uh, say why, so that's not just left out there. Mm-hmm. And the specific thing I'm, I'm thinking of is that uh, after that fiction went up a, a little bit, I don't know if it was the next day or a few days later, something like that, Nancy talked about on the forums about how she had intended it to invoke a Rokugani trial, which is really a show trial, where yeah. you don't actually have the trial until it's already been determined that the person is guilty. Yeah. And so that was kind of what was supposed to be conveyed in this, and it was not really intended to convey that Togashi was objectively wrong or that the fortunes were objectively right. And I don't think that that came across at all in the fiction. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that would I say that particular aspect is based on what she had said was the author trying and not succeeding at, at doing something that ended up making the fiction just seem as a giant condemnation of Tagashi, which is one of, you know, it that, exacerbated what was already... That, that's an interesting perspective. Let me digest that, because I think you make some good points. Um, but I also need to think about it, because another thing we have grappled with generally over the years, um, and I think every team subsequent to uh, the early teams has had to grapple with this, is how much knowledge should we infer on the reader? Mm-hmm. The early fix are very straightforward, right? None of them, in my view, and and there will be people who disagree with this, this perspective, but I would argue the early fix are all very blunt in that there's not many layers of subtlety in the content, but that makes it very easy to digest and understand and appreciate. Right. Whereas later fix, I think, in one sense, are a little more ambition and ambitious because they have more layers to them. And one of the kind of challenges or negative results of that is sometimes we miss the mark in terms of where are we pegging the audience and how much do we need to say explicitly versus how much we can infer. Like the early fix require no knowledge because they're not they're very like they don't rest on that kind of multi-layered depth, right? Like one of the objectives we've generally had, at least during the the modern incarnation of the multi-person team, has been to be able to be appreciated by someone who doesn't have a lot of knowledge and or doesn't care to develop it, and that the fiction still holds up when someone with greater knowledge analyzes it, and that it adds to your understanding of the fiction as well. Like, those are the multiple targets we've had. And I do think that results in sometimes just mispegging. Whereas I think to, you know, earlier fics don't try that, but they also aren't very deep in comparison. So it's an oh, interesting no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a, couple different things on that. I, I mean, but part of it is about prior knowledge. Part of it is trying to be subtle. Part of it is the vagaries of the the time frames yeah. that you guys are working with exacerbating things. I think it's it's pretty clear that over the years, I, I like if you just ask me which one of those do you favor in a vacuum, I'd probably say something about oh the quote unquote better 
you know, more subtle story or, or yeah. whatever, but clearly that's not the case. That's not actually what my opinion is in these, because I know that that's something I have said repeatedly about, especially when you guys try to, you know, there's something going on in the background and you don't really want to address what's going on so you can spring up and deal with it later so we don't yeah. know, you know, that. Yeah. Or or things like the what I think about when you talk about doing the story arc about Noboru mm-hmm. without Satsu there is then what is your counterpoint? Like you're you're writing a fiction with the person who is the first or second, you know, I mean, they're the second highest ranking dragon, basically. And the Togashi family has disproportionate influence on the dragon clan. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and. And especially after the whole Chicade Nalish thing just kind of evaporated, mm-hmm. really the most prominent dragon character as far as fiction share goes. And yes. so, if you are, you're you're basically presenting a situation where the most prominent character in fiction for a clan mm-hmm. is someone who is deliberately out of character for that clan. But that was Clan War. Which, well, but if you're, but but the story you're talking about telling with that requires the reader to realize that. Realize that the whole point is that Noboru is undragon, and so you have to make sure, I think, that when you're setting Noboru up in a fiction where he appears that way, you want to make sure that the reader realizes that's what you're you're doing. Keep in mind, though, that these fictions were just laying down groundwork for it. These two fiction, like, I, I say two fictions in that he appears in two pieces of part three, right? Sure. Um, he, this was where I was envisioning going with him. And really, what does he do here? One, he basically declares a temporary freeze on tattooing until he can audit the techniques. And two, He's the one who is the prime mover in the attack on the city of the lost. Neither of those is particularly um, undragon, although he does disagree with his own advisors as to whether or not he needed to be notified about um, the use of Hitomi's techniques in making tattoos. Right. And I am I agree with your point, And that was the intention in the first few fix that really would highlight him. Um, being conscious that the dragon clan is about finding your own path and that he's experiencing this as a result of him not fitting with the implied culture of the rest of the family. But again, it's a could have been at this stage, right? Because it is unlikely we'll get to give that many fictions to him to explore that in great detail. But I do take your point that generally this is something where we would have to make the reader aware that that's where the character is going. And I think we were going to do that. I think we were going to make it like kind of front and center that he's aware of it because he's also still a Togashi and still a dragon and still worthy to lead the family. He has not been portrayed as a stupid man ever, right? But he has been... Uh, portrayed as someone who actually is pretty effective and willful. So 
that was where we were going to go. Like, and it would frustrate him because he's aware of this problem. He is aware of this thing that is causing social strife, but he's not prepared to give up who he is, which is, again, a very fundamentally... It's a different take on a very fundamental dragon issue. And I, I guess there's, see, there's two things I wanted to say. The first is, since I, I don't know how much we want to get off on it, but yeah. since we, you mentioned the Hitomi's technique thing, and I had mentioned on the last episode the, oh, apparent retcon of the dragon, and that had been discussed on the boards, and if I, and you and I already talked about this before we started recording, so I, you can give the more detailed explanation if you want. I don't know if we, we want to get into that more, but the, my, my understanding was that what was intended to be conveyed was that they were talking about Hitomi's techniques and it was not intended to indicate that they had been using Hitomi's blood this whole time, which yeah. would have been contrary to, well, and to, to what had been previously presented. Hitomi's no longer physically available, right? And if Hitomi's not physically available, then you can't be using Hitomi's blood, right? Like, unless you were tapping from the dead... Or well, it made it sound like maybe did? there was a stash laying around because that's what they did. There was some of that after Yakuni went away, right? There was well, some amount still well, there. The the canon explanation based on card flavor text and reconstruction as best I could work out is um, she kills Gaijutsu. Togashi Gaijutsu. Readers can look him up. And renders him down for ink. <laughs> I should note that Gaijutsu, I believe, was her uncle. And that was one of the things that led the Agasha family to uh, leave. But but it, I believe it has been stated flat out that um, it wasn't that there was a stash of Togashi blood. It was that she killed Gaijutsu for raw materials. But he was an old man. He didn't have that much blood. It was not a pleasant time to be in the Dragon Mountain. No, 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 not at all. Hitomi, not not the nicest of uh, of folks. Right. I, I guess the other the other observation I, I I wanted to make was I never got the impression that Noboru was effective at all. I think that you, you, they, you either mentioned that before and we were recording it before when we weren't. Mm-hmm. Noboru is a blowhard. He's aggressive. He yeah. gets mad at people. He can beat up nameless characters that are of no import, but I don't actually conceive of him as someone who ever actually accomplished anything. He just gets in arguments with with people. Right, but being able to hold your own in an argument with Kuni Renyu is not something most characters could do. Like, that alone actually does say something about the character, but Generally, players also respond very negatively to uh, aggressive or blowhard-ish blowhard characters. Like, I know, for example, uh, you don't particularly like Matsu, Lady Matsu, right? And part of that in our conversations on a previous episode is due to her being a very socially aggressive character, which is legitimate, right? Like, fans have a right to feel a certain way about certain characters. So to some extent, anytime you have a blowhard-ish character, people will not like them or perceive their accomplishments in a more negative light. Like, several Crane players didn't like that the two brothers 
put down their opponents. Right? They saw that as uncrane. And I think that is an interesting thing to note because I do think this is a setting where a certain amount of bluster and aggression and arrogance is encouraged within the society. It's that you have to not reach the point of it being gauche. And that's a very interesting thing because to some extent that's true in real life, right? Like, uh, I think it is fair editorial of me to point out that one of the things that is causing at this moment Donald Trump to have good ratings is a lot of people are responding positively because he hasn't passed that excessive threshold for the people who like him. I'm not editorializing about whether that's too far or not, right? I'm just pointing that out. It's not that I don't like Matsu. I just think that she was in the quote wrong uh, as far as that confrontation with Kikita. And how I like them as a character really depends on on, on the effect. details, right? Like I, Kuni yeah. right, Renyu is also a blowhard. He's also extremely aggressive. Yeah, especially <clears throat> as portrayed in uh, uh, in in Winter Court Four. Not necessarily the most logical of persons. But I think he's a great character, yeah. Because he is a character who portrays those traits in a way that is true to his clan and is interesting and yeah. is not caricature, right? Yeah, Nobru I don't particularly like actually. Yeah, so. and Nobru was someone who had a lot of his potential just not come forward because there was never a moment to really focus on him as him. And that unfortunately happens more than I would like, because if it happens at all, it's more than I would like. But there have definitely been some characters over the years where I would have wanted to do more earlier or differently with them, and just because of publishing deadlines or having to change the timeline because a given card set was coming early or late, or because of a story prize certain things just had to not happen. And that's one of like the neat, unique challenges of working on L5R, and one of the things where just as an abstract storyteller is less fun, right? But I don't think of L5R as a traditional story because fundamentally players have to have a say, at least in this current incarnation, right? And... You know, it's 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 always there. Are, there is no shortage of regrets. Yeah, I mean, and you guys were hamstrung by the fact that I don't know if it's the right word, but that the story team kind of disintegrated in 2014. For for the most part, when you look over that entire year, almost every single fiction is one that's specifically tied to a product release. There's just no opportunity yeah. to explore anything and even before that here we're gonna play a specific version of of let's get fred to tell me that he can't tell me anything sure true or false the use of pan coup in the midst of the brother's destiny storyline was something that brand wanted 
and was not something the story team wanted, with a follow-up was, and admit that it would have been a better story if Panku had never been involved in the first place. I decline to answer that question. <laughs> I, I will say that... <laughs> I will say that generally there are a multitude of factors and that it is not correct to say story has final only call. Right? That that's known, right? I don't think it should. Right? I, I think story should have a voice. Um and it should be a, a major one. But People experience the setting through the mechanics of the RPG and the CCG, right? So certainly design should have a voice. And brand is the one that is charged with the overall health of the brand line, right? So do I agree with everything we've decided story, you know, has decided internally over the years? Of course not, because there are some things where if I could go back in time, I would do it differently and say, Fred, no, you're wrong, right? Or, and that's true of any case where you're making decisions. The same holds true for design and brand. There are times where I just don't agree with them because I've worked on the game for, depending on when you start the timer, 10 to 14 years, right? Over 14 years of decisions being made collaboratively, yes, there are times where I have disagreed with what people have decided. This should not surprise or shock anyone. So I do not answer that question specifically. I do acknowledge and recognize that there are times where there have been decisions made that have, in my view, uh, negatively affected the experience, and that a variety of people have been involved in those decisions. And that in no way exempts me, right? What? You're not perfect? I'm, I'll try. I don't succeed. I fail regularly, and that's, you know, a failure too, so... I'm crushed. But my goal has always been to let try to the absolute extent I can to when when like plotting fictions and plotting arcs and in execution of story prizes and execution of just stuff, not just story prizes, but hey, wouldn't it be cool if or we'd like this to definitely try and make sure that the fans feel like they are being heard and not just listened to, right? Like, the Kote fix were very much a result of trying to make sure that we had, you know, iconic moments for the various clans that were true to the clans, that were memorable, and where if something was taken, it was taken in a way that was true to the setting, and yet if it was hostile or friendly, that you could tell the difference, right? And that's the that's a philosophy and attitude that you know I've taken throughout my time working on this setting. But yeah, 2014 it was spooky, Sean and myself, and a lot of our work was stuff like flavor text for upcoming sets. Right. So yeah, there was a lot less coming out. Yeah, and spooky <laughs> was uh, working on the novel. Yes. Already too, right? Which, which let me just say again out there to the zero people who matter who are listening to this, you should still publish Spooky's novel, FFG. You know you want to. Just saying. Yeah, right? I mean, although it was really funny because I was uh, on... 
I was reading, I think, one of the FFG forums, and someone was like, yeah, I really like that new story team guy, Spooky. And I'm like, he's not actually new. Well, it it depends on who you are. I mean, your perspective, I guess. But like last year, he was the newest member of the story team. <laughs> yeah. This year, he's one of the old guard. Yeah. So. Have you ever had that moment at at your actual job? Because I know I had that where I kind of look around and went like, "Oh God, I'm one of the senior people now." <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, that happens. Um, I'm not. No, I'm not senior senior because we have. Uh, some very experienced people in the office, but uh, there was definitely a time when I'm like, huh, so I'm supervising this, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, that happens, you know, that's happened in both jobs, and it's it's both a wonderful feeling and a, oh my goodness, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's part of Transferal of knowledge, we'll say. Yeah. Well, so let's let's set aside whatever we, uh, you know, greedy fan folks would want. I, I mean, you can write things on Facebook and and have and and you have other forms, but is there any sort of commentary you want to make on your? time with with l5r some prepared remarks or not prepared but (laughs) it's easy to speak from the heart right like i i love you guys and i love working on this setting right it's it has been a source of endless creative fulfillment um like there are times when someone comes up to me and says hey wouldn't it be cool if and i'm like yes Absolutely. And if you pull this off, more power to you. Like, um, Martino asked me before the crane dinner, you know, I think, was it crane dinner? Yeah, like, he asked me a few things about, you know, a few very leading questions about the state of gunpowder in the Empire. And I'm like, oh, I know exactly where he's going with this. If he pulls it off, what the heck, right? And there's something phenomenal phenomenal about being able to improv and riff on a theme that someone is clearly passionate and motivated to do. And when Palmer's like, well, we want, you know, we want to use the the Imperial boon to ask for special dispensation to to use gunpowder. I'm like, that solves a heck of a lot of problems you previously had. It seems within the bounds. Let me get cracking on plotting this, right? And that's a lot of fun. Um, and the number of amazing people, like genuinely decent and interesting human beings, that I have met either directly through L5R or because of the work I've done on L5R uh, is phenomenal. Right? Like, huge chunks of people I know and like and respect. The first hook was either, you know, at an L5R event or, or oh, you work on L5R or, 
you know, it's just, I, I can't really describe it. And I'm someone who likes using words. Um, but I think, and I've said this on my Facebook, but I think it's worth repeating, right? Like, in the setting, a samurai has borrowed their, their good name from their descendants, right? Just like it's with their sword. It's not theirs. It's in trust, right? And that's the view I've always had for my work and the team's work on the story, right? Intellectually, at some point, I figured someone would take over. And our work on the story has always been to try and craft a meaningful, interesting, evocative, memorable, vivid setting so that whoever takes over has a setting in good standing that is interesting, that they can go back to if they want to. Because I think the people who have played this game or participated in any way deserve that as a reflection of the passion they've put in. And I really hope that even people who stop playing or stop following at some point don't feel like they have not had that passion recognized, right? I accept and acknowledge that there are people who are very interested in the story who are just so disappointed in the story product that they, they eventually stopped, right? That That is a reason to stop. Um, and I apologize to them too, right? But I'd really like to hope that the people who have been glad to talk to the story team or have been glad to read fictions or have been glad to have even a minor story show up on a card or whatever have felt like no no every single thing every interaction has been about trying to make sure that those experiences and those memories are good ones and i can say that's been you know always my objective um, even if I had to say no to a request, because um, I know, yeah, some of them are a little chipper and off kilter and, you know, weren't with that much effort, but that accomplishment and effort and passion are things that I want recognized and I want people to feel like it's been valued, right, by us in, in our product for them. And I am deeply grateful to everyone who has put up with me for all these years. I'd like to keep working on the setting, but, you know, there is nothing quite like that feeling when someone goes, wow, this happened, it was great, and I'm like, yeah, that's our work, or even my work, right, specifically, and if this is the end for me working on the setting, I hope people enjoyed my work, right? Um... And I hope that the story team feels appreciated and knows that they were appreciated, because I think they are appreciated. And, you know, that holds true for the design and brand teams as well. But I really hope that the, the you know, countless people who have touched this game in any capacity feel like that investment in emotional energy has paid dividends. And 
and it is deeply honoring to have been a part of that for, I will say, not long enough, because I am totally biased. But it is deeply honoring to have been a part of that. I, I really believe L5R as the interactive story game is unique, right? Like, I've done two panels at PAX where other people who do lots of work in the game industry have said, yeah, L5R is special. And I think that's absolutely true. And that is as much a reflection of the people who've been involved playing it as the people who've been working on it. And, and so all of, all of you out there have my deepest respect. Not bad for off the cuff. <laughs> so are you gonna, you gonna go make a hard sell to Fantasy Flight about why they should hire you as a, you know, fiction tracker slash Canadian licensing guru or something like that? I don't know. Um, I would like to keep working on it. I don't, I don't normally hard sell. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, soft sell. But I, I hope that even if they decide not to keep me, that at least they talk to me during the transition period. Uh, because my skill set is broader than just plotting and just revision and just, you know, this is how we get from A to B and writing. I, I do think, you know, there's a lot about the overall, how do we let players be involved? The mechanisms that we do that. And how do we express that back at them? Uh, where I think FFG has the resources and the scope to do a few things that weren't really open to AEG. Uh, and I'd love to be a part of exploring that because I think there are other ways to let people know that their, their contributions and their involvement have been recognized. And I enjoy doing that. Like, I, I like games and I like telling stories through games. And there is something uniquely wonderful about doing it together, right? It is like a grand RPG where the team working on the game is the GM. Right? And I would love to do more, right? I, you know, I would feel weird if there was a Winter Court where I wasn't the story liaison, for example. <laughs> it's tradition now. There's been four. Um... Well, you can you can spearhead Winter Court Five. I know some people already made it. A, I think an aborted effort to to say, oh, there should be a Winter Court Five run by the fans. But if if Fred Wan was on board, yeah, uh, I don't know what that means, right? No, <laughs> right? Like seriously, I don't, right? Because it means that it's it's more work with less support than an official Winter Court. And with with less satisfaction at the end of it, so really just voluntarily subjecting yourself to hell. Right. Okay. <laughs> because I didn't spend enough hours on the other winter court. I was with support, and I wasn't even the main guy on any of them. Right. I was just a story liaison. Um, like the volunteers and the people running it, and for the last one, Spooky, who was also helping to GM and so on. But. A lot of the work I do has been kind of structural. Like Sean's, another way of looking at it is Sean's big picture and I'm medium picture in terms of like, okay, we need to do this, 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 and this, and this. Here's how we do it. Here's how we fit it all together, right? And 
there's a lot of on-the-ground work that is done by a lot of people. Like, all the Winter Court volunteer GMs, right? Um, that is worthy of recognition, too. And is worthy of appreciation. So, definitely, like, when I found out that the sale was happening, and we didn't know what was going to happen to uh, the team, um, yeah, we were we were all pretty, like, Disappointed is certainly fair to say, or concerned, or uncertain, or whatever else you want to call it. Uh, because everyone who works on the game, past and present, enjoy working on the game. Right? I, I keep saying game as singular, which is wrong, right? But I kind of think of L5R as one integrated whole, right? Because it's one universe, it's one setting. It's one communal experience, as it were. And that's awesome. But, you know, the, the possibility of it ending or changing uh, is daunting for all of us simply because it's been so good. So, yeah. That was really rambling. Eh. I didn't think so. Right, because you and I are totally the best judges of what's rambling or not. It wasn't terribly super concise, but it, it didn't seem like it was rambling. It seemed to it stayed on topic. It naturally flowed, right? Sometimes your brief really just has to be that long, right? I mean... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's totally true, right? But I mean, like, for example, how long have you and I known each other? I don't know. I would not be surprised if it was as far back as shortly after Strange Assembly, which would, was, which would, was five years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, because it was not very long after Strange Assembly started that we, like, episode seven, eight, nine, something like that, there where we did the, our first Gen Con yeah. episodes and therefore our first interview episodes. Yeah. And you were in those, or, or at least one of them. Yeah, right. So, I think there's, what, six, eight Strange Assembly episodes with me on them? At, at least, I don't. They're not tagged or anything by, like, by the names of, of who's right. in it's a non-trivial way. And uh, like, I've been involved. I've been playing the game since the beginning. So it's twenty years of involvement, and depending on how you count, fourteen to ten years of working on it. It's a uh, it's a long time. Yeah. Let's see. You or. <laughs> Well, no, I can't. I can't tell you all, but you were yeah. you were on episode five. Wow! Because the the title of that is a Frenchman, two Canadians, and a Kentucky boy. Right. And you were one of the two Canadians. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. And episode nine, the first episode, I was not on. And <laughs> it, that's because the title of that is Benjamin Rex. So that's when I was not on an episode because Benjamin was born. Right. My oldest, so yeah, no, a a worthy reason. <laughs> yeah, man, we've been. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Yeah, Jay, Jay's reaction when he I, I pointed out that yes, we have been doing this podcast for over five years now, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know what though, like you get better at writing and storytelling by doing it. And we've been doing it, so there is that, right? And and there is nothing like 
honest feedback for honing your craft. And I would like to think that people have been honest and forthright about, you know, how they respond to what we've put out. I think occasionally there's too much honesty and forthright. Well, <laughs> you can be honest and still be sensitive to someone's feelings. And sometimes that is a little bit lacking. I will certainly grant you that. But, you know, as, as someone who tries to craft imagery with words and games and so forth, it is very enlightening to see the plethora of responses. And when people, for example, when two or three different people take very different takeaways from the same sentence or phrase or paragraph or moment or scene or whatever, it is enlightening to kind of be like, okay, this person takes away this, this person takes away that. Would I do the same thing if I had another chance? Right? And sometimes your answer is yes, even though one or even two people are like, I hate this. And sometimes the answer is no, but you need to reflect on that. And you can't reflect on that unless people tell you, right? Deafening silence is a bad response because you can't improve from it. And so when people gave feedback, like, don't get me wrong, I don't encourage people to be cruel, right? But when people gave feedback, I would routinely circulate the clan forums, right? I might not say anything, partially because I don't want people responding to my presence. I want them just saying how they feel. Uh, to see what the thoughts were. Same thing with flavor text, right? Like, one of the things that I thought we did really well in the Siege Clan War set was, like, the art was good, the design was good, the flavor texting was good, the fiction was good. And I was actually a little disappointed that more people didn't talk about that. But, you know, flavor text is not always something people reflect on, right? Well, I only just now got my copy. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't. And it is. So here, maybe you have an idea. So I, I now have an extra copy of Siege because oh. I did not think that I was going to be getting a review copy. What was right. the sale? But I guess that had been processed through. Sure. So I was sitting there on cool stuff and like they had one left in stock and I'm like, oh God, only who knows what's going to happen with these things. So. I, you know, I've always got like a list of things that you could get. So I, I went ahead and sure. put an order in with a copy of it. And then the, the review copy showed up. So I now have an extra copy of, of Siege Clan War and no particular man. I guess I could just sell it. That'd probably be a smart thing to do, but I don't know. Do you have any more creative ideas of what to do with it? Find someone who has, who is a lapsed L5R, particularly someone who remembers the Clan War era fondly, um, and give it to them. Well, I mean, I could give it to Freeman, but since I saw him posting about having bought multiple copies and broken <laughs> them up for singles to sell on eBay, I think he's good. <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> the set, I think, is really well done. And, you know, 
like uh, speaking in a very minor way about like decisions that were made that I disagree with, I would have liked to have a complete set of the instructions in the box. It's a minor change, but I would have liked to have seen it because I would have wanted it to be a kind of board game for people who love the setting but aren't necessarily into a CCG. Right? It's, it's fun, right? It, it, I can see why you end up not arguing. What, like, the little things like, what's the cost of doing that? Because the L5 Oracle yes, book is yes. not small. And yeah. Those are real issues, right? I just would have liked to have had some way to do it. And and you're right. The cost of printing is not trivial. Plus, you would have needed a, a general set of the siege rules. But it's something I would have liked on a personal level because then because I could use it as a gift, right? Because I, I know a significant number of people who like L5R, like like Rokugan, but either are lapsed or were never into CCGs. Yeah, well, that's I I certainly think with with FFG, just with the LCG, there will be a real opportunity to. Expand into new markets, and yeah. and then if some of us read the post, be like, "Ooh, Fantasy Flight does like using their IP across yeah. multiple games. Maybe we can see some more." On the other hand, because FFG does not take uh, independent design submissions, it does kill any pretension I might have of being able to make my own Legend of the Five Rings worker placement slash deck building game and pitching it. Yeah, okay, and and as as a board gamer, I'm like, worker placement game from an American company, uh-huh. But that's just me being excessively cynical and stereotypical about, like, <laughs> game, board game models. But just imagine, you know, like, you have to place your Shugenja on the sheep square to get, like, some sheep, but you have to have your... Pain having constructed fences. It, and, yeah, well, I, I had actually been... It's, yeah, thinking about about things like that. I don't mean you, you got to be careful how detailed you get into that sort of thing. But yeah, you you could have something like yeah, you know, five different. You, you know, your five workers are five different workers, which or yeah. again, you got to be really careful about. Yeah. And and that could either be just intrinsically defined on what they are. Yeah. Or because I like cards too, and there's lots of art out there, and that can like you know add variety and replayability. You could have something like the L5R equivalent of personality. So when you would yeah like your your five actions for the turn would be the cards in your hand, and if you had a Shugenja personality card, that would and you had your in and then your there wouldn't be any in, inherent rules baggage with your Shugenja worker, but if you placed that with your Shugenja card, then it might do something better and and you can really sync things up with the with the five rings right like earth oh, yeah. and probably thematically the easiest thing to do is is just just call the game like the vacant throne right and and then you can line it up with the race for the throne titles which would get some touch not that it would matter for the general board gaming market but with L5R players and that that works with Euro game sorts of themes, right? There's yep. there's economic, you, you know, you have to have economic development, you have to have political manipulation, you have to have military strength, you have to, you know, yep. just kind of civ game concepts yep. with with because it's L five R, you know, an actual spiritual element like whatever the you know the void ring. Anyhow, but there's so much they could do. Like look at them uh, looking at FFG getting the mechanics for the old Dune board game. And then sticking on the Twilight Imperium 
uh, brand, and that's Rex, right? Yes. There's a lot that they could do uh, that would be really interesting, um, and I'd love to be a part of expanding L5R to different media, right? Even if it's two different board games, they are different media, and there are so many different ways to engage people in this setting that that lends itself to just good gaming times, right? Like, look at Netrunner essentially saving the Android brand, right? Yeah, I, I think with just the Android game, that, that brand was not going to... Right? Yeah, yeah. I personally want to see FFG do something, you know, related to Operation Tannhauser again, just because I like the universe. <laughs> um, do they still own that? I don't think they sold it. Uh, I, I think it was always theirs. Right? Okay. I and thought that that. I guess it was dust that went away. Yes, it, I believe Operation Tannhauser is just inactive because. You know, I guess because of sales, right? But there's so many different, like, we could really push, like, an L5R board game or non-collectible card game, right? Like, there's, there is room there. Um, there is lots you could do, right? Oh, oh, I know what you could do, right? Iajitsu dueling, you could just take the mechanics from on guard, steal them again, <laughs> and just rebrand it as an L5R with special powers, right? Because apparently that's okay. You know, um, without venturing into any of that. That was not something that F- FFG did, by the way, for people who are not steeped in your board game pseudo-controversies. That was... Someone did that, but not FFG. Uh, <laughs> so much they could do. And look at what FFG's done with the 40K and Fantasy Battle license, right? Like, who... Like, okay. Just throwing something out there. You know, Battle of Oto Sanuchi box set board game. Right? Like, come on. Or Tomb of Yuchiban, a la the old dungeon board game. Right? Like, well, which is really kind of an exaggeration, because in dungeon you actually had a reasonable chance of surviving, and that wouldn't be Tomb of Yuchiban. Um, yeah, well, you could... I, God help me, they could just reskin Talisman again. And... <laughs> that sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, because they've already done it with 40k. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, I it probably behooves us to sort of reality check there. I I somehow doubt that L five R has the same penetration as forty uh, k as as forty k and talisman, but it's not as Star Wars. But it we can all sit here and hope that the right that the big thing is that the LCG is is how the LCG is. If if the LCG comes out and it is a great game that will then I think, suck people into the setting. If if it doesn't hit it off, then, you know, such is life. Right, but then again, you know, FFG, Android's first release was Android, which my understanding is was not, you know, entirely successful. And they did try again. Having said that, obviously, as a Rokugan fan, I'm like, no, no, no. I want the LCG to sell like hotcakes. I want lots of people to play it and experience it and so forth. And I would love to see, you know, if I ever expand into other things. Of course, right? 
I'd like to also be part of the team that does it, but you know, it, there's there is a lot of potential here, right? You know, I I, I do kind of want to see like what I'm just trying to think of existing mechanics and so on that FFG has, but there's so many, right? But or new things. I mean, right? Not yeah. there are a couple of re. I I don't know how many straight up reskins I really want. Yeah, but there is so much you could do, and I would like to see them do it. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see just what they're... Not I think it will be. It will be interesting to see just what they do with uh, the LCG thing, because yeah. they it could be something that is relatively close to what we have now, just with modern updating of things like holding rules, where it could be a yeah. completely different game. Well, and, like, we are looking at 20 years of advancement in the CCG model, right? And there are lots of things that would be done differently if you designed a game. And, and I know an LCG is not the same as a CCG from collecting, but it's still a card game, right? Uh, it, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, big things. Like uh, like I've said, there's, there's no way that it's going to be random resources. Right. And I don't, you know, I don't want to venture to guess what they will do. I'd like to, you know, be hired on and know from a first-time position so that you can ask me and I can say, I can't tell you. Um, but Well, yeah, if they actually hired you on, you probably wouldn't even be allowed to show up on the show to tell me that you can't tell me. <laughs> Possibly. I, I, you know, and that depends on, you know, the the level of openness with the fans, right? And that's something that, you know, one thing that I will say is people have said, well, FFG's existing product lines have never had this level of story interactivity, right? And I think the principal response to that is, well, that's because nobody has had this level of story interactivity. It's not an FFG thing. It's a, this is unique in the industry thing, right? Sure. And FFG, I think, realizes that. Now, they may decide that they don't want to retain that level. Or they may decide they do, right? That's something I'm very interested in seeing. Um, because there's a lot of different possibilities, multiple ones of which I think are valid for this brand. And the matter is what FFG chooses to do. And I'm super keen to see it because, um, you know, both as someone who's into the universe and as someone who works on it, or for now, anyways. It's really weird. Like, I'm, 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 I'm like, I am the cat in the box right now. Um, <laughs> um, I was not expecting any Schrodinger references today, but I'll accept that one. Yeah. And, uh, we'll see how it goes. But certainly it's one of those things where, um, I've done, quite a bit of work in in this setting. I'd like to think it's good work. I'd like to keep getting to do it, right? But as a fan of the setting, I'm just kind of keen, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic, like a lot of people, to see where it goes and what exactly comes to pass. It's going to be a long wait, right? A year and a half, two years is a long wait. But... I don't think you could turn, like you like you said in your last episode. I don't think they could turn it around in a year. That's just not enough development time. But I think there is a lot of buzz on their forums. Although you know, 
one of the things I think everyone who works in gaming has realized is don't ignore your forums, but the forums are not necessarily representative of your player base or your potential player base as a whole. So don't stop there, right? But there, you know, there's a lot of people who are very interested in what is to come, right? And for me personally, there's some uncertainty, but I'm kind of keen to see what they do with this, right? And, and I'm hoping the Zay becomes us, um, and we'll go from there. Hey, if if you don't get that, then there's always a future in the exciting field of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be surprised, right? Like, um, I, I recently had a chance to do... Uh, to do a guest spot on a show that went up on YouTube. And that was kind of fun. So you never know. Yeah, I've, I've always been extremely skittish about the video thing. And now <laughs> so there's, also the, well, there's also that if I was going to do it, I would kind of like I had to do with recording this, I'd have to start from scratch with absolutely no clue what I was doing. Yeah. I mean, and of course, maybe some people, maybe, maybe I, I'm still in exactly that same position with the show, but, uh, but really, really no idea with the, uh, with, with the video where to, man, I mean, like, I can turn on a camera. I'm yeah. pretty sure there's more to it than that. <laughs> well, so am I, but, uh, fortunately, someone else is taking care of all of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, we will see what holds, right? I, I would like to keep, you know, keep at this or working in gaming. But at this point in time, it's a wait and see. Wizards of the Coast is right down the street. I, they've got, they've got a much bigger story emphasis these days for magic. Huh? Huh? They do role playing games and a CCG. So I've heard. Yeah. Um, we will see, but part of it too is day job, right? And it is on a pragmatic level, uh, difficult to find gigs that don't require you to, like, give your notice at your day job. Yeah, I I think Jay and I talked about that, and I think that it mostly did not make it on, because it, was sec- it wasn't terribly informative, and it was one of the sections where my mic was making extra noises. But I listened like, to the last episode, and I don't recall it making it in. Oh. Well, see, I, I just heard it constantly throughout these days. That, that's actually one of the things I've wondered about. Like, so, so do I listen to the podcast and I think it looks relatively good and people are out there listening to going, man, the audio quality on this is terrible? Or do I, when I'm doing the editing, just overhear every little thing and, and fret about, I, I, I have no earthly clue which way it goes on, on that. Right. In my perspective, like, I have not had difficulties making out what you say. You know, it seems clear to me when I listen to the podcast, but I'm also normally like relaxing and not, you know, listening to it in the background when I do work or something. So I'm in a good state of mind to, to actually listen and think about when I hear, when I listen to Strange Assembly. So, um, it's clear to me in that context. Yeah. But, oh, but the, the particular was is that for AEG, L5R is almost, you've got almost entirely remotely located people. Yes. A, a lot of people who aren't employees at all, a lot of the people who are employees are not full-time employees. Yes. And my impression is that that's just not how Fantasy Flight works. You know, 
you work for them, you're a full time employee, you live in in you know in Minneapolis. I don't know how many people deviate from that, but it's just a very different model. And yes. you guys, you and Sean, right? You have day jobs, and I, right? You, you, I imagine, are not going to quit your day job to go work for Fantasy Flight. So those are issues that I think anyone who wants to work in gaming has to grapple with, right? Like, funnily enough. Um, this year at PAX, I was on a panel discussing working part-time in games. And, you know, the issue of, well, what about income and career progression came up. And those are things you should think about, absolutely. Right? But, you know, sometimes you're like, wow, this is what I want to do. Then you, you know, then you take the cut, right? It depends, like, so many variables. It's, it's very hard to say in a, like, vacuum what someone should or shouldn't or would or wouldn't do. But yeah, those are things you should think about. Absolutely. Those, those who can do, those who can't talk about them on podcasts. I, that's that's the, the nature of the world. <laughs> well, to some extent. But there are some people who are super like informed and could and choose not to and instead choose to commentate. And there is merit and validity and utility to commentating. Absolutely. I couldn't say that I can't, but on the other hand, I have not taken the time and effort to, you know, yeah. endeavor in that way. So, you know, what are you going to do? I guess shut up and and bear down is what you do. But <laughs> that's, that's that's one of the mantras of my life. <laughs> and or prepare. Well, so that's that wandered a bit far afield. I don't know. I mean, we. You, you correctly observed that, that when you're on, for some unknown reason, we, we end up talking about Dragon more than other clans. I, I had had no some thought that maybe I should try to drag it to some other clan. I mean, Mantis and Scorpion kind of had their, their days. On the other hand, if we get into that, I don't know that this episode will ever see the light of day in a timely fashion. And... <laughs> It's weird. I guess this is just more generically evergreen if we're talking about just stuff about the clans. But like I said, the J, it's it's very weird. Like our next L5R episode would have been stuff like, what do we think about how AEG did the clan pass thing? What do we think about the votes? What do we? I would be happy to actually discuss that with you guys sometimes. Still, there's no reason why we can. And, and weirdly, the thing that. I, I don't know if any. I, on the one hand, I don't know if anyone else cares about this. On the other hand, it, it seems like kind of a big deal to me, as I think that there's a real, that, right there, there has been a real issue this year with how the Imperial Assembly has been handled. I think. And okay, yeah, like, what am I supposed to like? Okay, like that's done. That would be, I'd be unhelpful because I wasn't uninvolved with the Assembly. Yeah, but certainly on things like clan paths, I'd be happy to like. I have the time, and I'd love to keep talking about things like that. That is something we will hopefully be able to cover in a, in a future episode, some of those path questions, setting background questions. Who knows? There's We're going to have until August of 2017 before there's a new game, and probably until August 2016 before we have any actual information whatsoever. So we will have... 
lots of time in between if we want to uh, talk about you know Absolutely. background because that's that's what there will be to talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and in the meantime, we can talk about clans and stuff because there are RPG games that will still be going, and yeah, it's interesting to discuss generally. Atlas of Rokugan is out, but like I mentioned, Siege Clan War, and buying that from Cool Stuff. Having done that, then they got Atlas of Rokugan in stock, but not very many copies. So they're out again, and that's partially my fault because we just like bought a group of them. <laughs> it sold really well, so yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd my relationship with Fourth Edition. I love every other book. Interesting. So it's like Star Trek movies. Yeah, it's great clans. Elemental book. Imperial right. History's Elemental book. And I don't like the Elemental books. Fair enough. Really. I So fourth edition is is marked by things like Imperial Histories or or Great Clans or that are fantastic, I think. So Well, and not every book is for every reader, right? Yeah. What are probably the, my favorite parts of those? The whatever the two page description is of the keeper of the element their story where you actually spend a long time talking about one character and then whatever the the, the little setting is not I mean little setting not little but, but the, the, the sort of the setting in the back right probably for most of them I think that's my favorite fair enough the two books but anyhow that's and there's a big huge thread on the fantasy flight form multiple big huge threads on the fantasy flight forms about the future of the RPG which is even more far off than the LCG. Probably. Uh, so. Although you never know. They might be able to turn the RPG around faster, right? We'll see. They, if they want to. I don't know. Could. I, Always you know, in motion is the future. Yes, yes. Because that's boring. And a cop-out. My guess is that they will, in fact, release a 5th edition RPG, but it, it will not come until after the LCG. Quite possibly. Comes yeah. out. That, that would be my... Well, I just, I don't know. I think that's a realistic prediction. Yeah, I mean, from a financial perspective, the RPG is a much smaller entity than the card game. And I don't honestly know how well... I mean, certainly, I don't think you'd... I don't know, like, releasing it in advance, you... I don't know how that would work from a marketing perspective. The timing of these things is important. People are going to be disappointed. Not people generally. There are going to be a certain group of people who are disappointed in Fantasy Flight providing information. These are going to be the same people, I would imagine, who were mad that AEG would not release complete spoiler lists like four months before a set actually came out. Right. Because that is just not good marketing for right. your product. That's, I, it, so, I mean, and, and FFG actually knows what it's doing. They will do previews. But they're not going to like just be having guys go out on their website and post random thoughts about the game that they're developing now that doesn't come out for 15 months. Like that's they're going to release the information in a controlled way that maximizes anticipation for the product, I, which is like what the whole point is. <laughs> anyway. that, that generally is the point of controlled uh, preview cycles. Yeah. Yeah. I is. <laughs> Uh, no. But, uh, well, thanks for coming on again, Fred. My pleasure, as always. I hope to do it for the indefinite future. <laughs> well, we'll be here. 
You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes or Stitcher. If you do visit us on one of those services, we always appreciate if you leave a review or a rating. It helps other people find the show. You can check us out on the usual social media. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can also contact me directly. Uh, my email address is chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your uh, complaints, criticisms, positive things. Those Every once in a while, those do happen. I, I'm not making that up. But until then, for Fred Wan, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you're listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.